All truth. Th- this guy makes just a comedy of errors on a daily basis. No BS. You have all these people that are whining, and 50 to 90 days ago, most of these people wanted to put you in a fucking cage. Uncensored. You know, the thing. You know. Oh, come on, man. Come on, Coco Buff. Rub these hairy legs. Corn pop. How many times I got to tell you it's corn pop? The Uncommon Podcast with B-Pop and Duff. You can't take away 100,000 jobs and then bring back 90,000 jobs and go, look at me. Come I brought back 90,000 jobs. Because <laughs> if you set extremely high goals, it's going to propel you a lot further than if you would have set a more of a soft-ass goal. Every episode of the Uncommon Podcast is dedicated to the first responders, police, firefighters, EMTs, frontline workers, and a special thank you to active duty military and veterans for all that you do so that we can do what we do. We have the illusion of freedom here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast with B-Pop Duff. Duff, what's up, brother? Chill is in the air, bro. Yeah, man. It's November. First, but- first cold seasons of the practice, you know, out at football practice. I'm such a little bitch. You got your thermals on? Fuck yeah, I do. You got your hand warmers? Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> I, even go, I even go buy me the toe warmers that have the adhesive on one side, and I stick them in the top of my, sh- my toe box. Yeah. In my shoes. I run with those bitches, too. Do you? Fucking dude, they'll make your feet sweat. That's funny. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's why I don't coach, is I don't like standing. You know, if, you, if you're just standing in cold weather, it's a lot damn colder than if you're doing something, like running, or like your football players are probably not very cold because they're busy doing shit, right? Right. But when you're just standing there, like I remember years ago, I'd go to the races like early, like late spring, like April, May, when the racetrack would open and you're sitting there in those race stands and it's, you know, during the day it's high sixties, low seventies. And then when that sun goes down, man, it's cold. Cause you're just sitting there. You're not, there's nothing happening. Nothing's, you know, you're not moving. It gets cold. Dude, you have no idea. It gets really cold, but you know, I don't remember if we talked about it with coach Hayden when he, we did his episode way back now, but originally I told him no. I felt like that was almost a year ago. Yeah, it was over a year ago, I think. And so he, uh, you know, he asked me to coach for him and I told him no. And then he said, you know, will you, you know, come coach? We talked back and forth a little bit. And I said, all right, under one, one of the stipulations is I'm in the box because I'm tired of being cold on the sideline. Like I'm done. Right. <laughs> and so that's where I've been ever since. But uh, well, yeah, we're uh, right on the cusp of playoffs, dude. We're, we're doing really well. Shout out to all my boys, all my wide receiver kids, Reese Pratt's and Brendan Peterson, Jace Reed, nice. a lot of those guys listen to it. Recruiters, you should be looking at those kids. Great kids to work with. Our whole team is, you know, a, a total group of uh, really good kids. Just good moral fabric, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you guys got good leadership up there. Coach Hayden seems like he does a pretty damn good job too. Keeps you guys competitive. So yeah, he does all right. Yeah, we don't want to give him too big of a head. Yeah, he already has a big head. <laughs> I don't need to make it any bigger. Right. Well, hey man, uh, you and I. It's it's funny. So this is what I think 126th episode, something like that. 127th episode. It's in the, that neighborhood. Yep. And uh, very few of our listeners actually know what it is we do, I think. So we wanted to give kind of a market update. So people that don't know, uh, this is Beepa, this is Brett. And uh, I'm actually a mortgage lender. You're a real estate broker. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. I was just letting I, you go. I'm just, I'm I wanted to make sure you, you're, you're following me here. Oh, you're fine. Um but, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm fielding questions on a daily basis of what the hell's going on in the market. So in my world, you know, interest rates tend to drive people's ability or willingness to want to buy a home or move up, sell a home, things like that. And 
in January, I, mean, I, I, I vividly remember in January talking to some of my colleagues going, yeah, you know, I think rates are going to go up this year. I said, you know, I, if I was to guess, I would see by, I would think by like November, December, we'd probably hit low, low to mid fives. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Uh, you, we, we could probably even go back to that uh, prediction episode we did in January. And the reason I was wrong is we hit the 5% range in May. And earlier this month, or earlier in October, we approached the high sevens on interest rates. And so what was happening in the market, and you can talk about this, but in the springtime, you know, when, you know, rates cr started creeping up in January and you know what, March, April, we were sitting low to mid fours, I think, maybe even high fours, maybe in, into uh, April. But what we were seeing back then was we had such a lack of home inventory and such a demand from buyers that we were seeing $100,000 appraisal gaps, meaning buyers were coming in guaranteeing appraisals at $100,000, $50,000, just crazy numbers, bringing that extra cash to closing, bidding wars like crazy because people were trying to get in before rates went up, right? Fast forward to today, homes are sitting on the market. How long would you say average listing is sitting on, a, sitting on the market? I mean, you don't have to be. Well, everything I, I, goes by price point, right? But even the ones that were selling in a weekend, you know, just not too long ago, those are sitting over 21 days now. Right. And so what's causing that is interest rates have gone up quite heavily. And, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, the, you know, that's just something that's been coming for the last, you know, however long, right? It's only been something that is because of the Fed raising the Fed funds rate. And that's not entirely true. What is really happening in the financial markets is there is no appetite for investors, private or public investors. When I say public investors, I'm talking other countries, private investors, hedge fund managers, and private just your everyday investor in Wall Street. There seems to be not a very big appetite for bonds or, in our world, mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities is what drives interest rates, right? So this all gets very technical and high-tech and all this shit. But basically, the debt somebody takes out at a mortgage. So if, if a mortgage is debt, that debt then is sold off on Wall Street packaged with other mortgages similarly like it to create a mortgage-backed security, that debt then becomes somebody's asset that they've invested in, right? So Andy Fursella says the ruling class or the elite want us to be in debt because our debt is their asset. That's effectively what it is, right? But when you have investors out there sitting on the sidelines because they're looking at that debt going, I'm not sure if that debt is going to perform the way it should, and they're sitting on the sidelines and they're no longer buying that debt, that's what's causing rates to go up. So there's a lack of investor confidence that's causing interest rates to go up, which is putting pressure on the housing market, right? Right. If people had a hard time finding a property, let's say at 550000 before, when rates were at 4%, now that $550,000 property might be five twenty five. but if now they're looking at an interest rate that is, you know, 7%, let's say. Now we're recording this on April, or excuse me, April, October 28th. So it'll probably release, um, this is get definitely going to release in November. But even though you have a reduction in sales price at a higher interest rate, somebody may not be able to qualify. So then the question becomes, you know, is it a good time to buy? Now that's a very blanket statement that I want to dissect in, in today's episode of what is your motivation to buy? So if you're a first time home buyer, you should not care what interest rates are, and you should be buying regardless of the interest rate simply because if you're renting, okay, your rent is effectively 100% interest. When you pay rent every month, 
it's a hundred percent interest because you're not getting anything for that rent. You're not building any kind of wealth for that rent. Okay. When I bought my first home in 2001, so I bought my first property ever uh, when I was 21 in March of 01. And my interest rate at the time was a great interest rate on an FHA loan, seven and a half percent. Okay. I didn't necessarily care what the rate was because I was looking at like, I just need to get into the home. And that was March of 01, 9-11 hits, some other factors hit after 9-11, the economy takes a, takes a dive, interest rates go down. I ended up refinancing that into a much more affordable loan, right? So if a first-time homebuyer comes to me and says, hey, you know, I want to I want to stop renting, is it a good time to buy? Yes. The old adage of the best time to buy real estate was yesterday. The second best time to buy real estate is today, okay? What I see happening, and this happened uh, when I was on vacation in Mexico last week, I had about three clients of mine that I had done pre-approvals for email me and say, hey, because of where rates are, we're going to hold off on doing anything right now. Now I'm looking at that. Two of those three were first-time homebuyers. And I'm looking at that going, that's the wrong attitude to take. And do you know why I think that's the wrong attitude to take? Enlighten me. Here's why. If you buy right now, if you have the ability, if you're a first-time homebuyer, even if you're an investor and you want to put your money into a hard asset as an investor or you're a first-time home buyer, if you buy now, you have, you're dealing with far less competition than what you dealt with in May, April of this year. I was going to go through a couple of those. Yeah, because you, you might have some, some numbers on that or some insight on that. Far less competition means you're not going to have a bidding war. You're not going to have to overpay for a property. And there is a likelihood you could get the seller to pitch in for some seller concessions to help you buy your interest rate down to a more reasonable amount or a more, more affordable payment or something like that, right? There are more options as a buyer you have today than you didn't have when it was a, it was a, a, a frenzy, a seller's frenzy. So- the, the, the challenge is, though, because a lot of people are saying, well, I'm going to wait till interest rates go down to buy. And what I see happening is we're creating this what I call shadow demand. There was a saying back in the short sale and foreclosure days of shadow inventory. And what, what that saying meant back then was you had banks holding on to all this foreclosed inventory because they didn't want to flood the market with foreclosures because it would have further reduced the housing market. So they thought that there was a bunch of sh uh, shadow inventory. Well, what I'm seeing now is we have a ton of shadow demand because we don't have the inventory coming on the market on the resale side, but you have this buildup of people wanting to buy, but they're going to wait to buy until interest rates go down. What happens when rates go down and all the people flood into the market at once because they all have the same mentality? Rates went down, but now guess what? Your home price just went up. And now you're back into the bidding wars. You're back into the appraisal gap provisions. You're back into all the stuff that might have frustrated you up in the early part of uh, 22, all of 21, early part of 22, with not being able to buy a property because you couldn't be competitive. Well, at the end of the day, dude, it's about the monthly payment. Like, can you make the monthly payment and live the life you want to live, right? At right. the end of the day. But I'm telling a lot of people right now that that's not going to even be the case with rent here very soon. Because it's, I mean, rent is going through the roof. If you haven't had to re-up your lease yet, just wait. It's coming. But, you know, I, I think it is a problem more with the perception. So we just came through however many years of just like crazy overbidding, you know, the market getting pushed, pushed, pushed. And so I think a lot of the people that are holding off buying right now, even if they were in the market before, I think they still hold that perception of the negative experiences they were having with these bidding wars and maybe getting outbid and all of that kind of stuff, coupled with now the addition of high interest rates, right? Like I can't catch a break kind of thing, like the whole victim mentality we talk about. But a couple of points I just want to go back over that you hit on over there, even just over the last year, you were talking about the overbidding. 
you have to understand out, I'm talking to the people out there, that is all money that you could not put down, you know, to bring your monthly payment down. So think about the overbidding that happened. And that's why I always try to keep my people at, during that time at 10,000 or under, you know, cause that's, that's just to me, that's, I wouldn't do over that no matter what. Right. So that's just who I am. But none, nonetheless, it, you had less to put down, which is a conversion of whatever $6 per thousand dollars finance or whatever conversion you want to use. But when you start taking that into consideration, your payment was probably very comparable to what you're going to pay in this market now with the price drops and the seller concessions, because that is extremely common. I have two sellers right now that are offering rate buy downs. So mm -hmm. they're even offering to buy your rate down, right? In conjunction with some other stuff. And so I think the market is evening out, but I think people are still have the feelings from the market before. And like I said, that, that, that victim mentality, you see the interest rates now and you're like, oh, it's just terrible. Now I'm not going to lie. If you're a seller, it's, it's a little tough right now. It's a mm -hmm. little different. Like it's not, you know, I guess as easy in terms of like the overall stress load. You got to think like it would take us a couple of weeks to get something on the market and it would could go under contract in a weekend. Right. right. And so the disruptions in your life and stuff was, were very minimal, right. For the most part for the sellers. Well, now you're having to sit a little bit longer and then showings are at kind of odd times, not all grouped together on say a Saturday and that kind of thing. And so, you know, some of that kind of stuff could be challenges. So I don't want to, I'm not just going to sit here and blow smoke and tell everybody, Oh, it's the fucking, you know, there's rainbows and pots of gold and all that kind of shit. No, there are some challenges with it, but I'm in total agreement with you that just because a house is listed for the price online does not mean that's the price you are going to pay. Like when we, when did we get away from negotiation, right? <laughs> that's why you use a realtor. A realtor is professional. Like we're a professional right. organization and we're, we're there to negotiate on your behalf. Now you come in and what I tell everybody is you slap somebody in the face and offer them a hundred thousand dollars low. Like you can't accept, you can't expect people to take that. Right. Mm -hmm. But within reason, if you're doing your math and you're saying, you know, I know that that house is listed for 535 or 5 550. You know, why don't we negotiate at you know, if it's at 535, why don't we negotiate at 520 with maybe them buying the rate down, you know, with with a certain per, you know percentage, right? A realistic starting point. Right. And let's let's ask for that and let's see if they give it, right? And right. and if not, they don't, right? But I just think that agents there's a lot of shitty agents in the in the in the market right now that they just, they don't think like that. They're like, Oh no, that's the, that's the price. Let's, you know, you don't want to see it. Okay. I'll just keep going over here. I mean, if you don't ask, I've said this on a, an episode forever ago, if you don't ask the answers all automatically, no. Right. So if you don't ask or make that offer of something that you want and it's a house that you really like, like the answer is just going to be no. Right. Exactly. Well, and so one of the issues that I saw happening back in 2020 and 2021 when we had super low interest rates, and I'll go into why rates were that low back then, but when we had the super, super low interest rates and we were seeing people refinance and put their mortgages down at, you know, high twos, low threes, you know, taking cash out at three and a quarter percent. I mean, that, that's, that was insanely low interest rates. Okay. And the biggest fear that I had, and I told my wife this, who works with me was my biggest fear was we were putting our market into a stagnating environment. What I mean by that is in, in the future. So today you have people that have no reason to want to sell 
unless they absolutely have to, you know, unless there's a life change, there's, you know, maybe a husband, wife getting a divorce, for example, they need to sell the house, but the proceeds, you know, loss of a job, have to move out of state, you know, some kind of life change is going to force these people to make a move. But other than a major life change, if you're sitting on a three and a half, three and a quarter, 2.75% mortgage in a house that satisfies your needs for now, why would you make that change? You know what I mean? So the problem is with that, I mean, and I'm proud of the fact that we put a lot of people in those low interest loans because it put them in the best financial position possible. Okay. But the flip side of that, the unattended consequence of that is you further limit the amount of inventory it's going to hit the market. So a lot of people think, well, I'm going to wait till the real estate market totally crashes and then interest rates will come down and then I'll buy. So in order for home prices to come down dramatically, you would have to have an oversupply of demand or excuse me, an oversupply to not meet the demand that's out there. You follow me? Yep. So you have to have more supply than you do demand. Well, if we have the demand kind of sitting in the shadows, sitting in the wings, waiting for homes to drop in price, and you got people sitting at these low low interest mortgages that aren't going to list their home to give the or to provide the supply what happens to home prices home prices inevitably stay up at some level you know what i mean the price reductions we're seeing now i don't i personally think is more of a correction of okay this is where the price really should be based on where interest rates are cuz as you alluded to it's all about payment it comes down to what is an affordable payment right affordability can only move so much until the the market just stops but to think home prices are going to drop 100 150,000 dollars if you're a buyer out there you think that's going to happen keep dreaming it's going to happen okay Every year, the Federal Housing Finance Agency meets and they determine what the conforming loan limits are nationwide for the upcoming year. So I've been in mortgages now for 19 years, 19 years this year. And in my 19 year career, I would say about 10 of those 19, the conforming loan limit was $417,000. And over the last, you know, uh, eight, nine years, they've been gradually increasing the conforming loan limit. The thing was, in uh, between 2021 and 2022, we saw the single largest year over year increase in conforming loan limits nationwide because of what housing prices had done. Now, they haven't officially released this number yet. So as of today, this number is not official, but it's speculated by all, a lot of the major investors that the FHFA is going to increase the conforming loan limit again nationwide to $715,000. So riddle me this. If housing is going to drop, if home prices are going to drop significantly, why is the federal government raising the conforming loan limit up to $715,000 from where it currently sits at six forty-seven two? Why would they increase the loan limit if there's speculation that housing prices are going to drop? That doesn't make sense. Bad investment. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that they would increase while expecting a decrease in the housing market. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I sit back and look and I'm like, okay, well, could it be more feasible that we're going to we're gonna lose some demand because of high interest rates, but the demand that we're quote unquote losing at the moment is not lost entirely. That demand is just sitting back in the wings waiting for rates to come down. So if the market goes into a full-blown, now we already are in a recession. I don't care what any political party wants to say. It's already a recession. Two quarters of negative growth is recession. That's how it's defined. That's how it's been defined for decades. Okay. We're already in a, a mild recession. Let's call it mild for the moment, not severe mild at the moment. Typically when markets go into a full-blown recession, one of the ways to get out of that recession is for the powers to be to lower interest rates. Okay. So let's assume rates do go down. Let's just assume they go down, you know, mid of mid 2023. So July of 2023, magically rates drop again. 
Now you're going to have an influx of buyers coming in, trying to pick up, trying to take advantage of these low rates. Where's the demand going to come from? Or where's the supply going to come from? Excuse me. It's only your people that are trading up. It's going to be the people that are going to be trading up. You get, you're still going to have restricted supply, which is going to drive home prices even further up. So I'm telling clients right now, if you can buy, if you're a first time home buyer and you can buy right now, it might suck to make that payment. You know, this is where we got to get creative as lenders, as sellers, as real estate brokers, negotiate concessions, look at doing two, one buy downs and some different things to make the payment more affordable in the, in the immediate future. Okay. But if you can buy now and buy yourself some time for rates going, potentially going down, I don't want to ever say they will go down. Let's just say they potentially go down, then you can refinance. But the benefit of that is, as you alluded to, Dustin, is you're not going to overpay for a property. You got more negotiating room. You're going to negotiate a lower price. You're going to negotiate, hopefully some sell of concessions, maybe negotiate to, to get concessions to buy the rate down. Now put you in a great spot to where you already own that property. And then you're not competing and overpaying if, and when rates go back down. You see what I'm saying? Right. You're doing just a refi and you're not actually active out in the market. You're, do, you're going to do a refinance at that point and you're not going to be suffering with every other buyer out there going, oh my God, now I got to pay 50 grand more for, the, for this property. You know what I mean? It all is going to work itself out. If rates go down to five, but you're paying 50,000 more for the property, did you save anything? No. It actually costs you more money because now you're financing more money. Even, it might be a lower rate, but you're financing more money. So you didn't really save anything. It didn't benefit you, okay? If you are truly serious or anybody out there listening has a family member or a friend that is truly serious about wanting to buy in this market or they want to become a, a homeowner, that maybe a first-time home buyer, I can't say this and stress this enough. Now is the time to do it because you have far less competition, you're not going to have somebody nitpicking your offer because of the financing type you're, you're choosing to do, right? Well, contingent too. Contingencies yeah. are getting looked at for people that need to sell. Contingencies are getting looked at, you know, and then you look at maybe somebody that wants to be an investor, you know, because home prices have ticked down a little bit. And I don't want to set this illusion that they've dropped significantly, but the home prices have ticked down a little bit. Again, more of a correction than anything. If you're an investor, you're also not competing with the other however many hundreds or thousands of buyers out there, right? So where you can then negotiate maybe a lower price that would put your investment in a better position to then cash flow when you go to rent that property. Actually, if you can believe this, I actually saw my first house now there's only a two bedroom, one bath, so it's just a little thing, but it was actually under three hundred thousand. Yeah, it was up in Fort Lupton, but still though, that's a great investment property. That's a great first time homebuyer property, right? Something like that, right? Yes. And, and that was my last point. And then I'll let you walk them out, but like, I know that we watch reality TV and we see all these things. This I'm talking more to the younger group that has never bought a house before. Like, understand that I've bought and sold four different houses to get where I'm at now. Right. And the house that I love, that I love, that works for me and works for Jenna and, you know, the whole thing. But it took four times and a lot of years of just building equity within those houses, you know, turning and burning, what is what I say, and putting it all down on the next house. Right. You know, and so understand you don't have to buy at the top end of your range. Like if you don't have kids or, you know, you have a living situation that's a little more forgiving, you know, get your starter home, build your equity in it. You know, and in turn, you may turn that into an investment property at some point where it's going to end up paying you well into your retirement years because it's a paid off asset you have that is just going to be able to be rented out over and over and over again. And you can just make money on it. 
Right. Yeah. And that's where I look at too. You know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, Brett, what, you know, where, where do you put your money right now? Because stock market sucks. Any mutual fund or IRA or 401k you have is losing value at a record clip on a, on a monthly basis. I mean, I cringe when I get my statements every month just because it's constantly down, right? Crypto has lost however many billions of dollars in assets over the last, you know, nine months. Well, this year, honestly, right? Since January. So I tell people you need to be putting your money or you need to be investing into tangible assets. And one of the best tangible asset investments you can make is in real estate. You have to have a place to live. You have to have housing. You have to have shelter. It's one of the basic needs of human beings is shelter, right? So when you look at the fact that you have to have shelter no matter what, you can rent that shelter and pay 100% interest, or you can buy that shelter. Oh, okay, yeah, you might be 7%, high sixes, low sevens, you know, something like that. I don't want to get specific on interest rates here. Okay, fine. You know, it's not ideal. It's not what we've been used to, but it's better than paying 100% interest in rent. And then you have that asset, you own the property, and then you can then refinance at a later point in time to then lower the payment. But the other thing you're doing, you know, my tagline is own your future. And somebody asked me, you know, why, why'd you come up with that own your future? And here's why. The worst stress you can possibly have is the unpredictability of your monthly housing expense. And when you're renting a property, okay, if you're a renter, how stressful is it not knowing from one year to the next what your rent, what, what your monthly rent's going to be or if your rent's going to increase? Whereas if you own the property and you have a good mortgage, a fixed rate mortgage, you know you can plan on what that housing expense is going to be. Now, you can't plan what the property tax is going to go up to. You can't plan what the homeowner's insurance is possibly going to go up to on an annual basis, but you can plan on the fixed cost of the property itself, the mortgage itself which puts you in a much less stressful position with a not having to move every year because your rent increased or having tried to negotiate rents with the, with your landlord or something like that okay you now own an asset you you're kind of owning your future is my tagline and it's going to put you in a much safer spot in the long run and if you can refinance great if you can lower your payment great but at least you can expect to know what your payment is what your monthly outlay is I mean, you covered it pretty well, man. And one last thing that I want to uh, point that I want to bring up, you can't take out like personal loans either against rent, right? You got to think about that. Like people that entrepreneurs and business owners, one thing that I do is as soon as I bought the house, how long did I wait? And then I called you and I said, all right, who do you recommend to get a HELOC out? Right. Right. Why? Because I want to have access to funds if I need them or if something comes up. Right. Right. And you can't do that if you are renting. No, because you don't have an asset to leverage against. Brett spilled all over himself, everybody, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> so that's what you're going to hear. <laughs> yeah, I missed my mouth there. So, but I just wanted to bring up that one point. Like, if you have aspirations, again, I'm kind of talking to some of the younger younger people out there. If you have aspirations, you know, to, you know, be an entrepreneur, start a business, you know, do do some of these different types of ventures, you know, that's another way to help kind of get you kind of along, right? And right. is, you know, when you can take out a HELOC like that and have a line of credit against your equity that you built up in your house. So just right. something to think about. Well, and you brought up a good point. So I look at equity as fake money, right? So, you know, people in my industry talk about how, you know, there's more, ec people have more equity than they've ever had in their homes. And right now there's no real way to access it because of where interest rates are, right? Unless you have a home equity line of credit, like you just talked about, that equity is fake money. Like it's, it's there, but you can't access it 
unless you sell your property or you pay somebody like a lender like me to act, help you access it, right? When you're renting a property, you have no equity position whatsoever. Your landlord is the one that has the equity position, not you. And so by owning property, by owning your future, you're putting yourself in a much more flexible position. Not only is it predictable what your housing expense is going to be, but you have flexibility should you want to start a business. You have flexibility should you want to buy a vehicle and you don't want to finance it at a higher interest rate, you can just borrow against the home equity line of credit. Now, I'm not advocating for somebody to use their home equity as an ATM. I'm not advocating for, a baby. for that. I was going to say a better thing would be like if you're going to have a baby or something, right. you know, some major life event. Right. But the other advantage of a home equity, of having a, a good home equity position is for the what if. What if I lose my job? How am I going to live for the next three to four months while I'm trying to find a new job? Well, if you have a home equity line of credit, for example, and you can tap into that equity, you can kind of stay afloat until you're back in a position to be able to pay that, pay that down, pay that off. You know what I mean? You're not going to be forced to move, forced to sell, forced to lower your standard of living because, well, I got laid off from my job or I got fired or, you know, my position got eliminated or whatever. If you're a Twitter employee, your position might have just got eliminated. <laughs> I have to laugh because I think it's hilarious. But you get my point, right? Owning your own place gives you far more flexibility for the what if in the future. And so to go back to my original statement, first time home buyers, get off the fence. If you think you might want to buy, now is the time. I don't care what the interest rate is because the fact of the matter is you have far less competition and you're not going to overpay for a property. If you're an investor and you think, hey, you know, or a first-time investor, hey, you know, I have this extra money. I think I might want to buy a, a rental property. Great. Do it because you're putting your, you're, you're putting your money at work into a hard asset, not a certificate asset like a stock or crypto or something like that. I might piss some people off with that statement, but that's how I look at that stuff. It's, it's an IOU. It's a certificate. Okay. So just food for thought. Anybody out there listening, please, our uh, loyal listeners, please share this with a family or family member or friend that you might know that might find some value in it, that might be on the fence a little bit of, okay, do I really want to buy? Is now the good time? Please send this to, to them. Any referrals you can possibly give us is much appreciated. All of our contact information is uh, listed on whatever platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple, whatever that looks like. You can connect with us on Twitter at Uncommon PC. You can email us at UncommonPodcast at Outlook.com. We're both on uh, Instagram. I'm bpop80, you're dustin.duff. Yep, yep. With that, give us a rating, give us a review, share the shit out of the show. And with that, everybody, own your future and stay dangerous. See you.